Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. I just got back from a Target run where I spent my normal $100 because I can never just walk into Target for one thing. Jason doesn't know that yet. <laughs> I know now. Um, <laughs> you, you have to go in there for a bathroom run, and then you come out, you spend $80. Like you were just going to the bathroom. How'd you spend eighty dollars? You gotta walk past the dollar spot, and you're like, "Oh, it's only a dollar." But then you buy twenty five things, and then now they've snuck in like stuff that's three dollars and five dollars into the dollar spot. So it's in. Yeah, that's tricky. Like, oh, look at this. This is awesome. Yeah, of course it's awesome. It's five dollars. It's a treacherous place, and I always get stuck in the kids' clothes. That's always where I'm like, "Ooh, these leggings are five dollars. I'm gonna buy five of them, and then five shirts that match, and then ooh, here's a sweater." Next thing you know, $100 every time. And she's not exaggerating. Uh, it's it's legit $80 to $100 every single time. To be fair, I don't go there that often because I spend $80 to $100 every time. That's right. That's true. I don't buy things for myself hardly ever, though. I don't buy my own clothes there. I don't buy shoes for myself. I just, just buy clothes for my kids, and it's $100. Kids' clothes are expensive. They aren't even expensive. It's just that I'm like, oh, these leggings are $6. Well, we definitely need them, so I will buy, you know, five seems like a good number. <laughs> not excessive, but not too much. Well, then they've got, like, these cute pattern leggings. I'm like, well, do they have shirts that go with them? I don't know, but they have shirts here that go with them. They're only $5, so I have to buy five shirts. And then I'm like, ooh, it's, oh, I meant to get pajamas, too. I didn't even look at pajamas. That's the one thing I was going to look at while I was there. It would have been more than $100 if I had gotten pajamas. All that for a toilet paper run. All that. Yeah, I just went because we didn't have any toilet paper left except the one roll in only one of the two bathrooms. So it was it was an emergency situation here in the Smith household. But then I went to Target and came back with $100 for the stuff. <laughs> anyway, that's our really exciting zany banter. This is like so like middle age kind of person talk i'm sorry for we don't have we're my kid we don't have young people that listen to us so and then i read a book about submarines and i couldn't find the <laughs> the silent button on my phone I know. everyone i don't have one everyone has a silent button <laughs> all right let's talk about something much more exciting than my target runs and that is the news and jason actually has news for us today I do. I have, I'll have. i do one, and then Katie will finish it. Um, yeah. I did a review of a game that's on Kickstarter right now. It's a short campaign. I think it only when it started, it only had 19 days. So when this episode comes out, I'll have 14 days left. And the game is called The Science and Seance Society. That's a whole lot of S's. Mm -hmm. um, it's from New Mill Industries. It's one of the designers of... New Mill Industries is one of the designers of Fire in the Library. And... The main designer of this game, Daniel Newman, is the designer of Dead Man's Cabal, if, you've, if anybody knows any of those games. It's a dead man's party. That's what I feel like a dead man's cabal is. That's true. Yeah. So, um, Science and Seance is a two-player asymmetrical card and dice game. One player is, is going to be Science. One player is going to be Seance. The Science player is trying to get certain colors and numbers of dice out onto these five cards to end the game. So there's three spaces on each card. You need to get all 15 of your dice out. The seance player is trying to or organize these cards by either numbers or letters based on which side the science player tells them to play. And you're going to be doing that by flipping some cards around, swapping some cards, drawing new cards. They can also use cards to get rid of some of the science player's dice. The science player can also put dice on their cards so they can no longer use a special ability. It's a cool like back and forth game, interesting. Has some Yahtzee stuff, so I'm always a big fan of that. So, if you like cool two player games that are a little different, check this one out. 14 days ago, 30 bucks. Science and Seance Society. Did you do a review of this? Yeah, there's a video on the Kickstarter page from me. You did not play this with me, and I like all of the alliteration happening in this title. It's a struggle to say that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I kind of. Is it something that I would play? You think I would like it? Uh, possibly. I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> Who knows? You might like the dice side. The dice side, I think, is the better part of the game. The seance side is fine, but it's much more fulfilling rolling dice than like flipping the cards. Yeah, but, but you love rolling the dice. I think I'd be okay with the flipping cards thing. That's true. The, the flipping the cards is fine. It's just, yeah, the, I like the dice part a lot better. Hmm. I kind of like that theme, though. And so since like we're in October and Halloween is approaching, which our kids ask about every single day, um, I actually found there were many games, but I only picked one that kind of has like a creepy theme. And so it's weird. It's totally weird. The game is called Midnight Pig. And, um, I think it's like, he's a, he's a con it's by this guy who's a concept artist. Um, his name is Harry Darlington. Of course it is. That's awesome. I know. Right. Um, and I guess the idea for this game came with like, he said, what if I took the hidden aspect role aspects of werewolf, but made it like the player can control multiple characters. And now that I know that after I've looked at what the game is like, I guess I can kind of see it. So in this game, you have like a hand of cards and the cards like the idea is that you have both monsters and villagers in your hand and your goal is to keep as many of them alive through the seven rounds of the game. So each round is like an hour. So you start at 6 p.m. and you go all the way to midnight. And so you're trying to keep as many people alive as you can. You um, draw a new character on each turn, and then you can take two actions. So characters have abilities that they can do um, that they allow you to, like, you can um, kill certain people because you're trying to get rid of the other people's villagers and monsters. Um, You can also, like, some of them have different win conditions. Like, one is the Cursed Bride. And so if you have the card, you can't win at the end of the game. So your goal is to find a way to get rid of the card. So like when you play the cards, they're revealed. So then people know what cards you have and it's easier to kill off your cards when they're revealed. But you also like need to play them to use their abilities. So um, there's also like the monsters have special abilities that they uh, happen at the midnight hour. And they're like really like really powerful abilities. So during like the midnight round of the game, you can play that, that card for that power, but you could also play those cards earlier if you have like the right resources. So you're also like trying to like collect resources, like killing off villagers and harvesting organs and stuff to like put together these monsters so that you can use their really cool abilities. So like, for example, like the vampire needs like four blood. So you can like draw resources or play cards that give you resources or also kill people to get to like harvest blood from them. Because if you want like the vampire's like midnight ability is reveal all female characters and kill two of them. So that's pretty powerful. So you can like get a bunch of cards revealed and then you can kill two of them, which, you know, helps your chances of having more people at the end or monsters at the end. So I don't like it just it's it's like kooky. It's a weird theme. Um, I I just I think it's definitely worth a look, especially if you like kind of slightly macabre kind of themed games. <laughs> so that's Midnight Pig. Um, it has just about nine days left in the Kickstarter, a little over a week. And it's 33 bucks because I think you get like over 150 cards or something in it. So it might be a little pricey, but it seems kind of fun and different. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a couple things. I was looking this up while you were talking because I was like, what the heck? And so it's exactly funded. It wanted $3,880 and it has exactly $3,880. Seems a little fishy. (laughs) But $33 for this seems like a lot of money for a hundred cards. I gotta be honest there. I know. It just it just seems like it's it's kinda cool. There's it's an also, interesting it's an interesting concept, I'll give it that. Yeah, there's like event cards um that can do stuff like um there's an event that is uh, like a, a UFO crash crashed. So you can get a brain and two hearts if you play that event. But sometimes the events are bad, like there's a bear attack and you lose some resources and you gotta kill off one of your characters um or there's like cool items like a love potion 
so you can play it and get a heart and two characters can fall in love so that if one of them dies the other one dies like that there's some cool combos and things to think through like I don't know I think it's really interesting but I I can see that $33 seems a little steep but it seems pretty cool it seems like a really unique game experience so that's Midnight Pig um probably a less strange kind of game is the next one it's actually an um expansion it's actually two expansions for a game that we do own and i do like called fantastic factories so fantastic factories this kickstarter is for two of um i think you can also get maybe the base game in it but for two different expansions to the game one is called manufactions which i think is hilarious um, because it actually gives you a faction and so that faction gives you some starting resources. It also like gives you like a special power that you can do, which I think is really cool. I love player powers. And it's got extra um, building cards or what are the blueprint cards, I think they're called. And um, like new people that you can possibly hire and like a new resource, which is like factory vitamins. But some of the new cards seem cool. Like there's a medical school and there's a fettuccine factory. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like I think that that's really fun a think tank so there's new cards and then also like this kind of new mechanic of having a faction and having these resource vitamins and new contractors um the subterfuge one Jason probably won't like because it it yes it gives you more blueprint cards and contractors but it also gives you sabotage tokens to where there's player interaction then and you can sabotage um someone else's factory or um, make it like closed for repairs or something. Yeah, that can go down in flames. But but manufacturing sounds good. So there's 11 days left in this Kickstarter. If you like Fantastic Factories, why wouldn't you want to like make it even better? Um, I, I'm really interested actually in manufacturing a lot. So there's 11 days left in this Kickstarter. It's 25 bucks for manufacturing by itself um, and $40 for both of the expansions. Yeah, I, I looked at this when they were talking about um, I don't know, hyping up the Kickstarter before it released. The manufacturing does look cool. Like the individual player powers would be neat because that's always fun. And I, I like Fantastic Factories a lot. So this is a good one. I even think that the Sutterfuge one is it's probably, there's only nine sabotage tokens. So I feel like, I mean, also some of the contractors are like saboteurs and union leaders and thieves. So you can also use them to do mean things. But I'm sure it's not that mean. Uh, yeah, that one should just go away. But anyway, so, yep, 11 days left in that Kickstarter for Fantastic Factories 2 expansions. And that is the news. All right, let's talk about some games played. So we have a new game that we've never played before. And we have a revision <laughs> to a game that we played before that we played correctly. So no, we played start... it correctly before. Now we played it correctly. Yes, we played it correctly this time, so we're going to talk about it a little bit. So let's talk about the game that is new to us, and that is Thanos Rising from the Op. So this is a co-op dice game where you're trying to roll certain faces of dice to recruit heroes and fight villains around this little central bo central board. Um, you're also trying to defeat enough villains before Thanos either collects all the the um, what are they called? Power stones. Infinity stones. Infinity stones. Yeah, infinity stones. And um, kills like 10 heroes or something like that. Uh, it's Yahtzee style, so you can roll as long as you can assign a dice to the sector of the board. There's three sectors. And if you complete the card, you either hit the villain or you, you recruit the hero. And if you can't assign anything, you bust essentially and you don't get anything. Um, it seems easy, but boy, is it hard. Um, so what do you think about this one? I actually really liked this, even though it was frustratingly hard, which I don't always like. Um, and I'd love to see how it plays it, too. I, again, love the Marvel Universe. I, I really love playing these characters. I got to play Doctor Strange, who I adore. And that was really fun. Um, I like the look of it. I I think that they there's some really cool thematic elements in it as well, which I always enjoy. Um, but... The people that we played with, they had actually added um, some of their own, like, little miniatures. Look at that. To um, stand in for the characters, which I think, 
I probably wouldn't have liked like carb the cardboard version of it as much as I liked being able to move around my little Doctor Strange. So I'm sad that that, that upgrade isn't with the game, but I really liked playing it. I would love to play it again. We played it actually twice because we got whooped up on so bad the first time we played it. Um, it can be frustrating because like, again, dice rolling, it's just whatever. But I'm interested in the other like theme at, themed versions of this game. So like SpongeBob. Not that one. <laughs> not that one. Yeah. So I really like this game. I love Yahtzee style games. We've gone over that. Um, I don't like cooperative, but it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's not like uber cooperative where, you know, everybody's talking on everybody's turn. Like, Hey, we should do this. It's just, I think I'm going to go here and do this. And I was like, ah, that sounds okay. And then, you know, <laughs> right. you, roll, you, you roll some dice and whatever happens, happens. I mean, it's such a light and breezy game that you don't need to discuss for 40 minutes what you're going to do in your turn. Just go somewhere and do the thing. So yeah, I really like it. Um, it's super fun. The production is nice. And I will say, you're going to hear it from me right now. Those minis that Chris had were amazing. It made it feel better than those stupid little cardboard tokens. I 100% mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, so we're hoping to get a copy of actually the Harry Potter themed one. And I'm definitely wanting to use little characters for all of my Harry Potter people. Yeah, that would be nice. All right, so now let's talk about the revision. <laughs> uh, the, the revisit, the update. And we played Alma Mater at four. And we were playing the first round with the rules that we went to the first time, which basically says, we talked about this before, we were playing where if you wanted to recruit books, it was like a normal space. So if I went there with a worker to get books from another player, the other person had to go there with two workers to get books, and you could only go there one time. So we were playing this, and Chris was like, why is this spot yellow? I said, I have no idea. So we looked in the rule book, and it said, you can go there as many times as you want, and it only takes a worker every single time. And that opened the game up... So, so much so much you could get any professor that you wanted to there were like so many books that you had access to and playing with four players helps because there's five colors of books so just so many colors of books uh it's so good it, the first round still sucked but after that it was much better so what did you what do you think about playing this with the correct rules and at four players yeah, because we when we were playing it together, I would go there because I would need your books. And then you're like, oh, man, now I have to spend two people to go there because I need your books. And then I would get mad at myself because I went there and like kept you from buying my books. I'm like, this is freaking ridiculous. And so now that there is the ability to get books easily. Yeah, I felt like it went much better. I felt like I had better control of the game. Like I actually could get something going. Um, it still is about making really, really careful choices, but, um, oh my goodness, it, it worked out so much, so much better, um, than the first time. And it it was nice with four players, but I honestly don't think that the player count matters that much as playing the game the proper way. I just hate that. Well, that's true. That is true. (laughs) But I hate (laughs) that dummy player stuff. I hate that so much in games. I understand why it's necessary in this one because you got to have four colors of books. I understand. It makes sense. But you could always just go to that space that lets you buy rando books that you need to get that one book that you can't get. I don't I don't know. I just I don't like the, the that dummy player. I would play it at two. It's fine. But if I'm going to play a game like this at two, I'd probably play Coinbrook because I like the way that works better. Well, yeah, I, I still prefer Coimbra over this, but I am much more willing to play this game now. And I don't care that much about the dummy player because it really doesn't do that much. It's like, oh, okay, you've kind of made a couple spaces a little bit more difficult to go to, but the space to get books is not more difficult to go to. That's and right. so that doesn't yeah. bother me. I, I don't care about that. Like, I don't like it when the dummy player is like, I have to physically move somebody and make them take a turn every time. It's like, no, you flip over the card, you put stuff a couple of places, that's it. That's true. I, I, it's not as annoying as some, but I, I don't know. I just don't like it. But yes, Alma Mater with correct rules is great, if yes. anybody didn't know that. We want to amend that. We were playing it way <laughs> hard, way wrong, not good. Of course, the game was broken that way. Oh my gosh, it's so much better. I can't wait to get this to the table a few more times now. Like I am much more willing to play this game because... That makes it seem so much more feasible and more enjoyable. So, yeah, I, I would say it's definitely not as good as Coimbra for sure. I love that game, which we may get to. Um, 
but it is so much better than I originally thought. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, so we played those games. And so they may appear in next year's ranking, very different than this year's ranking, now that we've had a run at them. Um, But tonight, we're going to continue on our top 100. You may have caught us on Facebook doing, if or if you didn't, we did 150 to 131 um, live on Facebook. So you can always go watch the replay and join us um, this weekend for the remainder of the 101 to 150. But tonight we might, we're... We, we might not go all the way down to 101. I might leave that last 10 for another one because doing 19 is a long video. It is a long video. And we'll probably, we already bore you guys to tears as it is. <laughs> <laughs> and so we are again tonight or today or whenever you're listening to this by talking about our games number 90 to 81 as we continue our top 100 countdown. So, Jason, get us started with your number 90. All right. So, my number 90 is a game that. I like quite a bit, and when I was looking through my BG Stats app, it's one of my highest played games from last year. Well, from when I started logging, so a year and a half. And it is Dice Forge. So this is a game where uh, you're basically building your die, dice, as you go. You're going to the temple to buy different faces that are going to make your dice more powerful, help you get more points, help you take more actions. And you're also moving around to try to get cards that are going to give you some special abilities and or points. You're going to do that over a series of rounds. You're always rolling. You're getting resources on every single player's turn. You're always doing something. There's no downtime. It's super fast. It looks amazing. The production is awesome. And I dig it. So my number 90, Dice Forge. And the expansion is good, too. I've only played it once. But the one part of it that I played is pretty cool. Yeah, I really like Dice Forge. And I'm sure I will talk about it again later. Because I like it evidently more than you. Uh, My number 90 is... It's kind of a word game mixed with a dungeon crawl kind of not really dungeon crawl but a monster battle i don't know and that is spell smashers i am okay with the games where you use cards to um, make words they're okay even though i love words those games don't really appeal to me that much like wordsy and paperback as much as spell smashers does because not only are you creating a word but you're making one that makes use of like different elements and um there could be different powers and points and things that you're getting from the letters you're playing because you're going to use that word then to attack these monsters that are out there and some of them are vulnerable to certain types of elements and then there's also these really cool things that can help you mitigate like damage and maybe make things more powerful like it's just a really unique kind of game and it puts together two things that I like. Um, so that's why my number 90 is Spell Smashers. Yeah, this is pretty good. Uh, I'd like to play this at less than four to see what the difference is because we've only played it at four and I think it might go a little faster and still be just as fun. So yeah, I like mm. this one. Yeah. All right, so my number 89 is a Push Your Luck game from Days of Wonder and it is called Deep Blue. Um, I don't know if you like this one. I'm not sure, but... This is essentially you're moving a little boat around. You're exploring different locations in the water to try to dive for sunken artifacts and treasure. But you could run out of oxygen. You could get attacked by a sea monster. And everything that you found in your dive is gone and lost. So you're just doing a little push your luck. You have some cards that you're going to be playing to score extra points to defend you against monsters, give you extra oxygen, so on and so forth. It's a cool game. I like it. The production's really nice in true Days of Wonder fashion. It's got these cool little treasure chests you can put your money in. It's really good. So my number 89, Deep Blue. Yeah, I like this one, just not as much as you do. Like, it's not a bad game. And, and while we play it, you know, I enjoy it. I just feel like I'm not very good at winning. Although last time I changed up my strategy where I just kind of tagged along onto everyone else's dives. And on my turn, I just bought really good cards. So then I ended up winning because I was able to monopolize on other people's dives instead of my yeah, you, own. You were you were just mooching around, yeah. That was I was. I was a total mooch. Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Felt good to me, um, but I, I I do like it. I think it is kind of it's a neat concept game. The art is cool. I love the gems. Um, it's a fun game for sure. It's just I don't think it's in my top one hundred. Maybe it is. I don't know. We never know. It's all right. Who knows. 
My number at 89 is probably the lowest that an Uncle Vitale game will be, maybe. Um, my number 89 is Vinos. It is definitely... Uh, was no Kanban's lower. I hate that game. Uh, oh, you're, God, you're killing me. Sorry. But Vinos was a game that I hated because we played it the first time. I felt like the rules weren't clearly explained to me. It didn't make any sense. I didn't know how to accomplish anything in this game. It was infuriating, and I decided never again I hate this game. So then I gave us it a second chance, and I actually really enjoyed it. I mean, it helped that I beat the snot out of you when we played it, but... Again... I mean, <laughs> not a high bar. That, yeah, it goes without saying. But that also reinforces, like, ooh, this game was fun. Like, it, and in that, I don't mean, like, oh, I always have to win, but I felt like, oh, I can actually even be competitive at this game because I understand how it works. I see what I need to do. I'm finding ways to make those points happen. Um, and I, I, I like this. There is some. It doesn't have as much of the, if I go here and take one main action, it triggers 25 sub-actions. Um, yeah, I don't think it has any of that, actually. No, which is a common um, Uncle Vitale, like mechanic. But it does have interesting mechanics where you choose your actions by moving your people around this grid. And the farther you move, you have to pay more so you can take certain actions that you might want to take that aren't next to where your person is. But... You're going to have to pay for it. And money is tight. Um, and then deciding, okay, how do I want to go with my wines? When am I going to sell them on the market? What am I going to save for the wine fair? Do I need to collect some more small yays? Do I need to play them to get their powers now? Um, a lot of really good choices happening in this game. So that's why I really like it. That's my 89 Vinos. Yeah, I like this. Uh, we're probably going to talk about this later. So I'll just go on. <laughs> um, my number 88 is another push your luck game and this is push your luck worker placement and it is called fool's gold i don't know who the designer is i know the artist is vincent or um ian o'toole outside mm -hmm. of that i know nothing about this game other than it's really fun so I this is a know. yeah this this is a a worker placement game where you're taking your little your uh, miners and your miners with an e and you're taking them to these different locations around the board and you have to pay coins based on where you put them. And it's going to determine the value of a die that's at this location times the worker, how many cards you're going to flip in that location to try to get some stuff. Whoever paid the most money gets first dibs. If something comes up that you don't like, you can basically pass and spend the winter mining. And then it goes in lowest to highest order to try to get some goodies. You're just basically trying to get gems and gold from all these different stacks. But the trick here is if you collect too much of from one area... It becomes fool's gold, and all that gold is lost, and you don't get any points. So you're trying to divide up the stacks equally, get a certain amount of, you know, kind of roughly the same amount of gold from everywhere, so you don't lose a bunch of points. So that's my number 88, fool's gold. I like this game a lot, and I'm almost certain we'll talk about it later, but again, I don't know. I would say probably. If we do, we do. If, <laughs> if not, we don't, yeah. you know now I like it. <laughs> Um, my number 88 is my, everyone was crazy, is crazy about Sagrada. This is way better. And that is role player. It combines, you know, kind of this luck of the dice that are rolled, but also there's a theme I really enjoy, kind of the Dungeons and Dragons theme, but not so much that people can't understand it, but I love that it's really thematic. And if I'm using like the elf board it's going to give me a boost in dexterity while my constitution is going to, or my strength is going to be lower, which totally makes thematic sense to me. And if it doesn't make thematic sense to other players, it doesn't matter. It's written on the board. And I love, there's also this extra kind of set collection component with getting cards from the market that also can really help you manipulate the die. I think there's a lot of different ways that you can, that this game gives you to manipulate the die. So I don't feel like you're just like, well, I'm just going to make the best of really crappy dice rolls. But I feel like there are a lot of ways that you can manipulate and move things and um, really try to get a really good score in this game. And I really like it. I love to explore the expansions, but that's just never happened for some reason. But my number 88 is Role Player. So good. Yeah, this is like 100 times better than Sagrada. Just because every time you put a die in there, you can take a special action and there's cards and set collection. Way cooler. Sagrada, you just take a die and put it in the hole and then you're done. Yeah. Yeah, I like this. The theme is whatever. But yeah, good game. 
Yeah, I wish the artwork was better also, but... Yeah, that's true. The artwork is kind of garbagey. Um, my number 87 is a game about running a TV station, and it is called The Networks. Yeah. From Formal Ferret Games. I do know that because their, their company name is silly. Um, <laughs> this is essentially a drafting game... Yeah, game. I I don't know why I paused at game, but this is a drafting game, <laughs> and you're trying to get different types of shows into certain time slots on your network. Certain shows are going to need different types of actors or actresses. You're going to want to get some advertising in there so you can make some money to pay for those actors and actresses that are in your show. Occasionally, when viewership drops down too far, the show has to get retired and put into reruns. It works less viewers, which is points. And, you know, it's just, you're going to have to get another show. So it's a lot of just getting shows, getting as many viewers as you can, bumping up the viewership with actors and actresses, and then eventually canceling the show, getting a new one, trying to score the most points. It's a really fun game, has silly art, all it, it's like spoof parody shows and art and stuff, but really fun. So my number 87, The Networks. Yeah, I like this game uh, quite a bit. So I'm pretty sure, I'm like 90% sure... <laughs> I will talk about it on a different episode. My number 87 is an absolutely... So I go from role player, which has disgusting artwork, to a game that has phenomenal artwork. And my number 87 is Yamatai. This game is so pretty. Um, it's so... like, And also, tac- it, it appeals to my like tactile sensibilities with um, the different... The boats and the shrines you can put on the islands and stuff. And I just think it it has like a really neat mechanic of using your boats to create chains to come in from the side to go to these different islands. Um, you know, Days of Wonder always does like a, a bang at production and artwork job and Yamatai is no exception. Again, it's compared a lot to Five Tribes, which I like better. Uh, spoiler. Um, but I think it's only because they're both gorgeous. Component quality is awesome. The gameplay is totally different. But again, I do love a good Asian-themed game. And so that's why my number 87 is Yamatai. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. It's just outside my top 100, but I do like it. We need to play that. We need to play it again. I know. I, I think I played it with uh, Brandon once, and it was pretty good. So, hmm. yeah, I definitely still like it. <laughs> All right, so my number, what are we on? 86, 86 is a game that I just got. But we, I played it before. We just got it. And it's called Silver and Gold. I really do like this. This is a flip and write. Um, it's super fun. You're flipping cards. You're drawing like Tetris-shaped pieces on these cards to try to fill up the cards to score points. Um, and yeah, that's it. Um, playing over a certain amount of rounds. You're trying to just get more points than everybody else. Super fast. Super fun. And I really dig it. So that is my number 86. Silver and Gold. Yes, this is just out my, outside my top 100. I talked about it on our live show the other night. Um, my number 86 is not a flip and write. It's a li- quite a bit heavier, um, and that is Smartphone Inc. And at first I was like, I don't know if I like this game. But it definitely grew on me as we played. You can kind of develop some cool, almost engine-like qualities when you are able to get certain patents in the different areas that you're trying to I don't in, innovate in as you're running your cell phone empire um, and so there is some area control to it which I don't love but I also like the idea of okay how many units am I going to sell what the price am I going to sell am I going to sell them at where can I sell them to get the most money um, but I think the coolest part is how you choose what actions you get to take. And you've got these what look like cell phone home screens. And you can get extra Oh, little... yeah. They do look like that. Oh, my uh. gosh. Where have you been? <laughs> Jason has played that. this game. He just can't even see theme when it's in front of his face. Oh, man. It's like a screen with apps on it, you dork. I had no idea that's what that was. That is oh. clever. And... Makes sense. Imagine that. Oh, man. Lord have mercy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what is wrong with you? So, anyway, you have these cell phone home screens with what look like apps on them. And the apps are the different actions you can take. And you overlap these screens just to, sh- to reveal the actions that you want to take on your turn. And you can also get extra little, like, inserts to kind of 
customize those screens to some things that you might want, um, which I think is a really cool mechanic that you don't see in games. And I, I do like that. And I also like that it's thematic because it's cell phones. Smartphone Inc. is the name of the game, in case you missed it. I knew that. I knew we were selling cell phones. I got that. Okay. So number 86 on my list. If I played it more, it might move up. I'm not sure. Or it might move down, actually. I might, it might lose its luster if I get caught up in, in the area control. But Smartphone Inc. Yeah, this is a pretty good game. I like this one quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I don't. I actually don't know if it's on my list. And I didn't know that that was about cell phones. So that was <sighs> mind-blowing. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. All right, so uh, my number 85 is actually a, a game that we got for review that just seems to stick with me. I, I don't know. Um, it's called Panda Main Traditional Farmer's Bread. Uh, this is a game about making bread and selling bread to villagers. It's a super dry theme. Like, nothing screams Euro like baking and selling bread. Um, but it's a worker placement game. You're going to a spot. You're collecting good, um, like ingredients to make bread. Then you're going to another spot to put the ingredients in the oven. Then you may have to go to the village to sell certain types of bread to certain villagers to get some kind of special ability card. And you're just trying to get the most points at the end of the game. It's uh, an interesting game. It's, I mean, super dry, but I enjoy it. So my number 85, Panda Main, traditional farmer's bread. Yeah, I love that this is like kind of a crazy weird theme. And we've only played that one time, but it was kind of fun, a little convoluted. So I'd like to try it a couple more times, maybe even with like a three or four player count just to see how that affects it. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty good game. My number 85 is a game that Jason relegated to outside of the top 100 because he is a fool. I did. You're right. I Mistakes were made. Okay. Fake news. We got it. My number 85 is Homestretch. This game is dope. I mean, you are betting on the ponies. You're owning your own racehorse, man. You are rolling dice. You're trying to move them up. You're like cheering them on. It's so great. It's so simple. It's a roll and move, obviously. But you do have a, a little bit of strategy in how much do I move the horse number that I roll? Am I going to maybe get a better roll a second time or not? Um, how am I going to bet? You know, do I want to just say, okay, let everybody like show and hope for the best. Like, um, and then there's different numbers on how much you bet. So am I going to bet like triple the value on this horse to place? There's still some gamerness to it, but it's just a lot of just old fashioned dice chucking fun. And it's, it's so much better than I thought it would be. And that is Homestretch, my number 85. Yeah, this game's really good. It's so dumb. Like, it, it really is just a roll move, but it's so fun. I like it a lot. But not enough for top, my top 100. Um, Shame. Yep. My number 84 is a game that you actually talked about that's outside of your top 100. Mm-hmm. And it is called Nagaraja, which is a two-player-only game from Bruno Catala. And this is a game where you're rolling these, like, dice sticks. They're just sticks. And they have either pips, an amount of pips, or a raja, raga, I don't know, whatever, a a squiggly line. And you're trying to basically play different types of cards that are going to let you manipulate this little cave that you're exploring in to try to get to some treasures on the outskirts of the, the board. And if you can reveal 20 points, you win. But if you reveal three cursed treasures you lose. So it's kind of a race to, you know, know where your treasures are because they're all face down and get to that 20 points before your opponent. Super fun. Really good production. Um, yeah, it's a good game. So number 84, Nagaraja. Yeah, like I said, this game is good. But again, two player games for me don't usually do as well as games that can have more player counts because I just love having everybody play all the games with us. Um, so my number 84 is a game that we talked about last night, but um, I don't think, I think it still is in your top 100. Um, And that is Mask of the Red Death. So this can play a lot of players. I love that it's based on Poe's short story, Mask of the Red Death, where you are guests at this, the prince's party, moving through the different colored rooms. And you at least know in this version that death is coming at midnight. And so you're trying to find out where death is going to go at the different strokes of midnight. And you want to obviously avoid him. So there's deduction involved. You're playing cards that allow you to look at other people's cards that allow you to look at the deck that actually shows what 
rooms and are at different times. Um, you're trying to also get some popularity because that's a way to like break ties. If, if you and other people survive, it is like a brain burner in a deceptively really simple package. The artwork is also so super cool. It's just a really neat game. Like this is definitely one to break out around Halloween. That may be a spoiler. Um, but this is a great game. Number 84, Mask of the Red Death. Yeah, I do like this. I'm awful. Like, I don't even think I can survive till 1210 in this game. It's bad. But it's fun. The journey's fun. Playing the cards is cool. Uh, the premise is really neat. It plays like no other game I've ever played. So, yeah, it's really good. Uh, my number 83 is actually my favorite of the Century Trilogy. And it is Century Spice Road. Um, this is the first game that came out. It's, in my opinion, the far superior one. I really like it. Um, it's uh, You're playing cards to get different types of resource cubes. Then you're converting those cubes into different color cubes to fulfill these contracts that need certain color cubes. There's some theme in it somehow. Like all the cubes have names, but who cares? They're four different colors. You're just trying to get the colors that you need to score points. And the first person to complete five cards into the game and whoever has the most points is the winner. It's so it's so slick. It's easy to teach. It's easy to play. The engine is satisfying because you can do it with as many cards or as few cards as you want as you can effectively make it work. And I like it. So my number 83, Century Spice Road. Yeah, it's a good game. I don't know if it's in my top 100 or not, but I do I do like this one quite a bit. I feel like I talked about this. Was it in my 150 to 130? I have no idea. I have no idea. All the numbers run together. Or maybe it was in my last week. I don't know. It's somewhere around here. It's good. I like it. Good game. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can say about that. My number 83. um, A tiling game. It's a tiling game. Right. Which I normally don't like. It's also another game where you really have to... um, try to like maximize your turn, which I don't like that either, like min-maxing, but that's kind of the best way to win this game. But it's Japanese themed and it's got it's got these tactile things, so I like it. And that's the 100 Tori. And honestly, I only played it maybe once, but it has made such an impression on me. I totally want this game. Have I mentioned that to you before, babe, that I want this game? You have, and I'm trying to get it. It's just, I mean, I, I could buy it, but I'm trying to do it in a trade. <laughs> I could buy it, but that requires me spending money. And as we all know, Jason only likes games that are cheap and gross. (laughs) That's true. But if I can get it for a game that we don't play that I have for trade, I might as well do that. (sighs) Okay. So the Hunter Tori is you are laying these tiles in this Japanese garden. Very pretty. Is this Vincent Dutrait? Yes. I I don't know that for sure, but it looks like him. Yes. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Um, And then you are scoring points... Um, based on the different like statues or items in this garden that you're connecting via the pathways. So maybe I have this large stone and I am trying to, I'm making, then I add, I add my tile with a stone on it and I'm saying, okay, I'm going to make a path to the closest stone like this. That, the longer the path, the more points you can get. If you pass through these Tory gates, you're getting extra points. Um, there's also ways to kind of like help like get special powers um, in the turn by hiring people to work with you. Like I think there's a geisha and there's a gardener, um, maybe a samurai. I'm not sure. These extra little characters that you can hire. Um, also by making these like matches um, of these certain objects in the garden you're collecting tokens of them that are going to give you your in-game points so it's a pretty simple as far as actual like action you're just taking a tile and placing a tile but you're also trying to say okay how can i get the most points out of this how can i pass through the most tories um how can i get you know five of this one type of object etc so lots of like thinky decisions and it's also just really pretty so that's why i really like it the 100 tory is my 83 it is vincent dutray i looked it up I, I thought it was but i just wanted to be sure all right um my number 82 is a dice placement game about being in a polish rock and roll thrash band <laughs> and it's called thrash and roll or thrashing dice whatever if you have either of them they're fine thrashing dice is a simpler cleaner version but Probably Thrash and Roll is more my jam. 
And this is a, a dice placement game. You're going to go record singles, record albums, promote your album on the radio, go buy better equipment, uh, go learn how to play through lessons, um, go p- put on a little show at a, a local club. Um, and then maybe if you can do all that well enough, go on tour with the biggest band in the land, Turbo. And it's a, a really cool game. It doesn't do anything super fantastic, like like different, but the theme is awesome and I like it. So my number 82, Thrash and Roll. Yeah, this game is fun. I don't think it's in my top 100, but I do like to play it. Fun. My number 82 is a game that I think I only want to play now with the expansions that we have. And that is Champions of Midgard. This game is so good. Classic worker placement. You're also, um, I don't know, doing some like dice combat and some contract fulfillment, I think. Uh, no, it's, it's maybe just like resource management. That's what yeah, I mean. you're you're just fighting the baddies and collecting resources, yeah. Um, and like I like this game also with the expansions because then there's more different more items to fight. There's different type of dice to get. So again, it's very much a uh, you kind of create your own path to victory. How do you think you can get the most points? Is it by sailing? Is it by you know fighting the trolls in the mountains? Is it by trying to collect tokens from Valhalla? Uh, just a really good game. It does have a really great Viking theme that I like. Um, good worker placement. Champions of Midgard, 82. Yeah, I do like this. Valhalla makes it worthwhile if your dice die because that can get irritating when you go for a combat and you lose all your dice and get nothing for it. So Valhalla fixes that. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, my number 81, and the last one I'm going to talk about today, is a game from our buddy PDB, Philip Duberry. Mm-hmm. And it is called Spirits of the Rice Paddy which is just outside the top 100. Katie talked about this on our live stream. Yes. And this is yeah. a um, a rice farming game where you're trying to earn favor by the different, I think it's Bali. Is that right? I don't, I don't know exactly where it takes place, but you're trying to earn the favor of these different spirits so they'll help your rice grow better, faster, and make it more valuable. Um, so you're doing that through... Um, Worker placement action selection, kind of. You're actually using your workers to select different types of actions to do. You're going to use ducks to eat some bugs, fertilize the plants. You're using workers to get rid of weeds, harvest, and plant. All that type of stuff. Trying to be the best, or trying to earn the most rice, which is also the points throughout the game. Whoever has the most points is the winner. It's really cool. It's an interesting theme. It's different. Um, I don't know why it doesn't get more love. The rule book's kind of garbagey. So that might be part of it. It's really hard to figure out how to play this game. But once you figure it out, it's good. So my number 81, Spirits of the Rice Betty. Yep, I already talked about it. You can watch the playback. Um, and so I want to talk about my last one tonight, my number 81. Also a worker placement game. One of the granddaddies of worker placement. And that is Lords of Waterdeep. Um, it was an early game that we had in our collection. And we pl- I played it not too long ago. I'm like, yeah, let's get that one out. And it still is fun to play. Like the contract fulfillment, the worker placement, um, you know, trying to go where other people's aren't, where other people aren't. They steal your spot. How do we get the resources in a different way? Um, there's some cool expansions to it. I don't love the skull thing. Is that like the intrigue? I forget what the name of it is. But uh, s- corruption. S- scoundrels, is skulls and scoundrels or something is the name of the expansion or something like that. Scoundrels of Skullport. Okay. Well, I had both those words in there. Um, but there are other things that it adds that I think is really cool. Um, trying to get things for your the different contracts that your lord prefers to get extra points. I, I just I just like that in a game. It's straightforward, but it's a good time. So my number 81 is Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah, that's good. It is a pretty good um, worker placement game for sure. Yeah. Do you want to recap your 92.81? I do. So let's get that scroll back up here. <laughs> and my number 90 is Dice Forge. My number 89 is Deep Blue. My number 88 is Fool's Gold. My 87 is The Networks. My 86 is Silver and Gold. My 85 is Panda Main, Traditional Farmer's Bread. My 84 is Nagaraja. My 83 is Century Spice Road. 
My 82 is Thrash and Roll. And my number 81 is Spirits of the Rice Paddy. My number 90 is Spell Smashers. 89 is Vinos. 88 is Role Player. 87 is Yamatai. 86 is Smartphone Inc. 85 is Homestretch. 84 is Mask of the Red Death. 83, The 100 Tori. 82, Champions of Midgard. And number 81, Lords of Waterdeep. So that's our next section of 10. I hope there's some new games for some of you guys. Like for for me, I think that that's why I like to listen or watch um, top 100 lists because if someone likes a game enough for it to be in their top 100 and I've never played it or maybe I've never even heard of it, I'm like, ooh, that's a new game to try to find out about. So I hope that these lists are inspiring you to find some new games. Yeah, and I do know that... um one person on was watching the episode on YouTube, and they said that the one thing they liked about our list is was that we talked about games that no one else talks about, which is cool. So hmm. we try to, you know, sprinkle in some new hotness, but also some, you know, deep cuts or rarities <laughs> or B-sides or whatever that you prefer in our list, too. Yep. So if there are some games that we have overlooked, or maybe you've done your own ranking, I talked about going out there to Pub Meeple, um... Put input your own games and make your own top 100 i'd love to hear about that find us on facebook join our facebook group hashtag the riveted again the best positive clear-cut kind of facebook group there is out there um everyone in the riveted amazing people um twitter uh, instagram youtube hey we are doing stuff on youtube we're trying more videos. Jason's always putting out videos. I'm trying to get myself into gear and do more videos. Unboxing, I have been doing. So we've gotten some cool games that you can see in the unboxing. And then they will definitely come back out as a probably a review video later. So like, subscribe, um, follow us on all social medias so that we can hear from you. Because you guys are the reason why we do this. And the free games. <laughs> Mostly the free games, but you guys are pretty cool too. Boy, like you guys do. Uh, <laughs> um, also, check out our friends at Board Game Rundown, Tim and Dan and Bob, and occasionally another host. They do a really cool video series about topical board game discussions. They put some videos on our channel, Raz and Us. I put some videos on their channel, Raz and Them. It's a good time, so check them out. They're good peeps. Yeah, I need to actually watch some of those videos. Um, <laughs> I don't even watch our own videos, so don't feel like Born Gay Rundown that I'm ignoring you. However, I did hear that this last one about Cthulhu, you went and got all about HP Lovecraft's life, and I'm like, are they stepping into my area of expertise, literature, and going to throw shade at me, at my channel, over literature? <sighs> Yeah, I think they were using literature against us on why we should love uh, Cthulhu games. I mean, their points were just jokes, but whatever. And whatever. They, they tried. It was cute. That, that, them's fighting words. I'm a little, um, I'm a, I'm a little upset by that. So it, it may get dirty. I, I may have to resort to my own video, throwing shade. You don't, you don't wow. come into my house and talk about <laughs> literature like that. Uh Anyway, it was, all, it was all Tim. It was all Tim. Starting a feud. Tim, I see you. <laughs> don't think I don't know. All right. That's all I got for tonight. <laughs> same. Yep. Same. All right. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. <laughs>